Hi, kids. Welcome to the locally famous Did That Make Air podcast, uh, episode two, notable, mainly uh, for my co-host, Ed Barnes. I'm Brian Wilmer. Uh, because, Ed, we made it to episode two. Hey, well, it's the first podcast we've been numbering, so this is progress. Yeah, exactly. And of course, eventually I'll forget how to count because I went to a public school and you know how that works. So did I. I don't know. There's no guarantee I'll remember either. Speaking of your name and of mine, I wanted to start the program, and normally we would start the program off in a different direction, but there was something you mentioned before we got started, and it's a subject that needs to be covered. Now, with Gmail and all these other online email services, you've now started to see a bunch of people getting confused when they send an email. They don't copy down the right address. They don't email the right person. And so inadvertently, you end up getting somebody else's email. Uh, you got one before we started, and I'll let you discuss that a little bit, and then we'll talk about some of the other strange emails that we get that are meant for other people. Well, I still am not exactly sure what this is. Nor am I. I tried to Google it real quickly right before we started and wasn't able to find anything that really matched up to this. But it's a registration confirmation from USANA Melbourne, uh, and it says, See the Stars in September. And it's uh, for two people for a roadshow guest event. And I would love to make it because if I made it, that would mean I was in Australia and I would love to go. I think that would be a fantastic place to go. However, my name is not Edwin Barnes, which is what the, who the confirmation is for. It's not? No, it's not. It's, it's actually – it's Edward. Ed is short for Edward. So uh, I'm not really sure what – Edwin is going to do without his confirmation. I hope his tickets make it wherever they're supposed to go, and he is able to see the stars in September. But, I mean, this is, as you said, it, it's so common. My name is not that the name of Ed Barnes. That's a fairly common name. And with the email address I have, I get email for other Ed Barneses all the time, just like with your you know, relatively basic email address and a common enough name. You get plenty of emails directed for other Brian Wilmers. Uh, yeah, not just for Brian Wilmers. I also get them occasionally for Bill Wilmer. I've gotten one for Brandon Wilmer. I got one for Brandy Wilmer at one point. I have no idea why. Um, but I get train itineraries. I get Knights of Columbus emails, which you know instantly gives me Ron Burgundy flashbacks. Nice. I, get, I get people who are asking about baseball practice. I get all kinds of ridiculous crap. And you and I have talked about this too. I'm so tempted, as are you, to write these people back and either A, tell them, you know, you've got the wrong person, but my my good side kind of is overcome by my snarky side, and I'm half tempted to, you know, write them back and uh, and rip their kid for for uh, for not showing up to baseball practice or something. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I have a character flaw. No, because I got one from a mother saying that her, her daughter wasn't going to make it to soccer practice, and I, I don't know how old the girl was but i got the impression she was somewhere in like the eight to ten range you know <laughs> i'm not sure why i think this by the way it's completely unscientific however well and then well that fits with this show oh, yeah does, of course doesn't it? yeah so i wrote the lady back and said look i'm not the coach because i you know that that one no big deal you're trying to do something worthwhile I'm happy to write you back, even though, as you said, it's tempting to write back like, don't you know there are kids playing in the slums of Brazil right now dying for a chance like this? Your daughter needs to step up. <laughs> like I said, they're kicking around skulls in Africa right now. <laughs> so while that seems funny, most of the, I, I have not done anything like that. 
However, the one there was one that I did not respond to, but I was hoping to get more of. And that was from a lady or a guy, doesn't really matter, who was trying to train their cat to use the toilet. Oh, yes, I remember this. And it was such and such chronicles, whatever the names of the cats were, volume two. So it was the second update they had sent. Unfortunately, it did not have the first update on the bottom of it. Oh, which made me – I didn't really understand. Like I would think you'd just work off that email because I would be too lazy to type in all the names again <laughs> of the addresses. Seriously, that, that would – I would just re- reply to all and start typing the second one and hopefully remember to change the subject because on Gmail, as you know, it's very easy to forget. Of course. So so that was amazing reading through their diary of, well, and then, you know, and then uh, – you know, my cat, uh, he, he wasn't really taking to it. And then about a week later, he seemed to get the idea. And then and they're showing all these pictures of them sitting on it. So it was the weirdest thing. Like I, I say. Was, I forwarded that to about 15 people, actually. Unless you're going to send out pictures of your cat sitting on the toilet with a newspaper, I'm not interested. No, 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 I, I agree with you on that one. Although anything with business cat. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. I'm willing to make any exception necessary for Business Cat. And the funny thing was, I don't, I don't even think I've shown you this. I went looking for Business Cat pictures recently, and they have an entire like series of animal memes that are basically the exact same thing. They have uh, you know, otters and all these other different things. I sat there and went, went down a three-hour rabbit hole looking at those things, pardon the pun, and I felt so ashamed but yet so awesome in doing so. And then you said Murka. Exactly. <laughs> I uh, I realize, by the way, we do, speaking of Gmail, have an email address for the program if you want to send us your idea for the one big question for the program or if you want to uh, submit your own strange email stories, you can certainly do so. DTMAPodcast at gmail.com. DTMA, like, did that make air? Podcast, all one word, at gmail.com. We also have at did that make air on Twitter. If you want to tweet us and send us your stupid email stories or uh, whatever your favorite business cat meme is or any of it, please send it along. I think that would be great. Any, any favorite business cat meme, that would be especially appreciated, that specifically. <laughs> business cat is a big favorite of ours in case you've uh, not seen him. Go Google him now. Yes. If you don't enjoy it, just, just stop listening. Yeah, if you don't enjoy it, we'll give you your money back for this program. Oh, fair enough. We were, that's a that's a good deal. Yeah, I, I'd say that's that's probably fair. And uh, sure, we should probably talk about the the big question because this is kind of unusual for this program. And granted, talking about uncharted territory is kind of stupid because it's episode two. But the big question for the week a builds on something we talked about last week, and b leads to something else. So the question for the week, and we've both asked each other this a couple of times. You asked me as well about just where the hell did music go wrong? And my thought, my hypothesis on this, and we'll get to more of this in a little bit, and we'll, of course, hear your thoughts. To me, I was thinking about it earlier today, and I think music essentially died when MTV died. And I I don't mean when MTV started showing Beavis and Butthead and Daria and The State and all the other stuff they started showing in the 90s. I mean whenever they stopped showing videos, period, is pretty much whenever music died, because you look at it now, and it's all, you know, dead mouse and, you know, all, all this other ridiculous garbage because they don't have videos to hold them accountable. Maybe that's 
where it died. Let me know if I'm right or wrong on that path. I, I, one of the last things you said just kind of, I don't know, gave me pause. You said that they don't have videos to hold them accountable. Is that what it's about? The video is going to be holding them accountable? Shouldn't they just be accountable for better music? Well, they should, but see, here's the thing. When you listen to any of the uh, so-called top 40 stations in big markets, I mean, you, you and I are both obviously very familiar with media markets, and we're familiar with, uh, or actually, I'm probably a little more familiar than, than you would be with the radio side, just because you have a TV yes. background, I have a radio background, but you have certain rotations of certain songs, and there's, there's normally you know the heavy the medium, the recurrent, et cetera, et cetera. And there are some songs now that are on like hyper heavy rotation, like the, uh, the TI song, uh, I need your love or Calvin Harris, however he's calling himself these days. That song gets played about every 45 minutes. Blurred lines gets played about every 45 minutes. And this is not on different radio stations around the country. This is on the same station. And now you have like the, um, the iHeart radio top five countdown and, all this other stuff. So that just gives you another chance to hear the same song 30 minutes later that you just heard because people are stupid and they'll click anything to go vote for a song. So what the radio, Have your voice be heard. Yeah, exactly. It's your radio station. Take it over. Uh, yes. Listen to our radio <laughs> station medium that was outdated as soon as music became, you know, on demand through the Internet. Yeah, exactly. That's that's another question. Uh, I know that, like I mentioned, we have the the top 40 stations in all these different markets, and it's really come down to, to essentially 10 or 15 songs. But how is terrestrial radio, to use an inside baseball term, how is that still a moneymaker these days with satellite radio, with Pandora, with Slacker, with Spotify, with all these different things? How How is terrestrial radio still a moneymaker at all? That's That's the thing that really confuses me. That's a great question. Other than live events in some ways, but especially for a sporting event, it's just as easy to stream it through your phone sure. video-wise. Sure. I mean, I simply have an iPhone and have DirecTV at home, and because of that can watch pretty much whatever sporting event I would like through my phone. So I would probably be more apt to turn that on and listen to that audio <laughs> rather than listen to the game on the radio because if I got to a stoplight then I could look over and see a replay maybe. <laughs> now wait a minute. You're you're admitting a uh, a minor misdemeanor mm, in California, I think. Yes, I know. I might be the only one doing it. <laughs> nobody ever checks their phone, nobody ever texts, nobody dials while they drive. Nobody ever does any of that. Right. The thing was is I realized I was getting upset with someone as I was I was is that I was changing freeways from 5 South to 8 West, or excuse me, 8 East. And there was a girl going about 60 miles an hour in what was about to become the fast lane on 8 East. And as I was driving by her, I realized she was doing 60 miles an hour because she was just staring down at her phone as she was texting, you know, through this entire time. Mm -hmm. And I started to get upset with her and realized, yeah, I do the same thing, but I do it faster. <laughs> wait that didn't come out right <laughs> I'm a... i just sort of started thinking to myself wait a second that this is all kinds of wrong now that i'm actually thinking through what i'm doing so if you're a better texter than she is does that mean you're a better driver than she is do those those two things correlate at all i think today yes that has become <laughs> a skill 
Oh, jeez. By the way, I also have to call you on something since uh, even though I'm not a Californian, I noticed the distinct lack of the before the highway numbers. There's no the five or the eight. You you appreciated that I did not use the the. I I liked it, but chances are if a uh, if another Californian hears you, you might get uh, you know forty wax for that. It's really more a Southern California thing. It's something that was pointed out to me by my family when I moved to Southern California. Okay. So apparently that there is a divide somewhere, I don't know, maybe around Fresno. I'm just trying to give Fresno credits for something. Uh, <laughs> so maybe that's like the, the Mason-Dixon line of the before a freeway. The Mason-Dixon line of the? <laughs> I thought you were going to say the Mason-Dixon line. It. The Mason-Dixon line of adult film, or is that Chatsworth? That's more Chatsworth. <laughs> There's a clear line. They might that it might even be a line somewhere on the road. <laughs> they might have that across the entire town. Like this is a safe zone if you want to do crazy things on film. <laughs> so many things I could say about that about that uh that whole industry. Please, that... That's why we have the show, isn't it? Well, yeah, but see the thing is there are all these people who still talk about, and, and we'll get back to MTV in just a second, but since we're talking about Viacom Networks, it's probably appropriate that we talk about Cinemax and such. There are people who still refer to Skinemax and mm. all these other stupid names, you know, porn time and don't even really relate to anything. But there is nothing funnier than accidentally skipping past a, a so-called adult movie on Cinemax anymore. Because you know that they're going to have 34 different camera shots. They rotate between them every two and a half seconds. You never see anything. It's just, mm. you know, they're constantly doing uh, fades and wipes and everything else to different camera shots. You see the, you can see the, uh, the harsh light from the lighting rig outside that looks like sunrise. You know, it's, it's the most disgusting and amateur thing you'd ever want to see in your life. And still... You don't ever see anything on those movies. It's always, you know, people putting hands in strategic places and all that. It's just it's it's ridiculous. If I had a suggestion for the actors in those films, I would think okay, try pulling apart and then coming back together because if you keep trying to do the thing with your hips both locked together, <laughs> it doesn't work very well. Yeah, like see. you pull apart and then you go back together. It's like <laughs> the movement helps a lot. That's uh, that's another thing. There, there are all kinds of things, and I, I don't mean to go down a, a really bad road here. Just for those of you listening, we'll, we'll try and keep it as PG as possible. But for those of you who haven't seen those movies, there are some things that take place in those movies that are not logistically possible. And the reason that they do them is so that you don't see anything in the movies. But, you know, you're sitting there looking at that going, there's no way in the world that would ever happen. But I've it's said too much. It's more like it, – no, it's more it, – it, I was just thinking it has a, a lot more to do with there is no way in the world that that works. Uh, that yeah. starts to bother me, just like you pointed out. That, the, those things can't happen. There's there's no angle. You need an angle so you can move apart and then come back, create the motion. But if you just stay – that's the thing that always cracks me up though is, is the amount of bucking that goes on in the rest of the body – <laughs> among those actors is, is incredible it is it is like they they show these actors a a scene like uh elizabeth berkeley in uh you know showgirls show thank you in showgirls where she's in the pool yeah and she's just leaning back and like thrashing at the water while she's supposedly doing this guy mm -hmm. and uh it's like they show him that and go look if you could just sort of amp that up that's what we'd like 
Well, the hilarious thing too is when you see like there's there are two people that are essentially parallel to each other, one behind the other one. Their legs are bent in like this backward L thing, and you're like, okay, that's just not possible. That's the the body doesn't work that way. Stop it. Stop trying to make me believe that these people getting paid minimum wage to work on a set with one uh, one word names are really capable of doing these things. Look, unless the movie is called Yoga, then I'm not buying it. Why would you buy a movie called Yoga? Because if it were called Yoga, then at least part of the story could be that they're yoga instructors and they're really flexible or something. Give me something to work with. Help my mind get to that place where I could buy your terrible story. Yeah, but... And get past all of the pastel colors and poor lighting that you referenced earlier. (laughs) What's really bad about those things, too, is now, for whatever reason, if you ever flip past Cinemax, and, you know, I, I don't watch these things for any length of time because, you know... There, there's other stuff to watch. It's, you know, DirecTV, you have 800 million channels. But the really bad thing is when people try to act in these things, like people try to act like a detective or, yeah. you know, they're a professor or they're uh, some kind of scientific investigator or some such. And, you know, they're, they're sitting there. And the worst one is when you see somebody sitting there, you know, trying to, like, hack into a government computer system or something like that. And they're like, I must have the wrong arithmetic. I'm a, I must have the wrong code. I can't get – it's like, What? You're, you're sitting here. You're about to get bent over a couch in five minutes. Why are you telling me you have the wrong code to get into the government system? Because the terrible explosion that's going to happen later in the movie, those are always <laughs> great, too. If you manage to make it to anything resembling special effects or, or effects, period, in those movies, wow. I flipped past one one night, and I, I only watched like probably 30 seconds of it because it was so bad. But I, I looked it up because, of course, I had to know what eventually happened. You know, I don't mind spoilers for for uh, adult movies, but anyway, there was one. You don't need to give a spoiler alert for this one. N- yeah, probably uh, it's <laughs> obvious spoiler alert time. Uh, there was one where there's a female actress, and we'll just mm. call her actress with finger actress. quotes, and she is working for a government agency, and she turns out to be a double agent. Mm. Now, why in the world do you need? An adult film where someone is a double agent. Because that gives them an excuse to sleep with more people. Well, yeah, I know. But still, it's it's like, you know, she sleeps with a guy and then kills him or something like that. It's like, you know, what is this? A, a bad adult version of Alias? <laughs> what have I stumbled into here? Yeah, well, that's the thing is that uh, since they decided that the scenes in the bedroom are going to be completely fake, that they might as well just amp that up for the rest of the movie. And I don't really understand why. I mean, how every movie has not become about, like, uh, you know, Bikini Beach 4. Uh, I would think that that would be the easiest thing in the world. We're going to get them all together. We can shoot the scenes on a beach. They're barely wearing anything anyway, so they don't have to worry about wardrobe. Seems like the easiest thing in the world. But no, you're right. We have double agents in these movies now. Yeah. And I don't think it's because Burt Reynolds is making them because it's a real film, Jack. <laughs> I forget what what comic it was that was talking about how uh, somebody did a great Burt Reynolds impression. He's not in movies anymore either. <laughs> That's pretty good. Might have been Norm Macdonald. I don't know. but <laughs> not bad. While we were uh, speaking of what happened to music and we were talking eventually about what happened to film, uh, let's expand on the MTV bit a little bit here. because this well, ca- we, we, we need to just go back to the main question. Well, go I ahead. Mean- First of all, you said you said that there's a video that needs to be be there to hold people accountable for their music. Right. I, I still am just kind of shaking my head at that one. Really, I don't I don't quite understand. I mean, do do you really think that a video holds someone accountable? 
Well, see, here's the thing, and this, again, kind of uh, goes back before most of the people who would ever listen to this program are familiar with, but again, myself having a radio background, I've heard this whole story about 80 times. If you ever remember Christopher Cross, who sang the theme to the movie Arthur, uh, Mm. had a bunch of other soft rock classics. Absolutely. He was huge. I mean, sold just millions of records between like 1978 and 1981, again, before just about anybody else was born, but... Here's the problem. And then his career went sailing away. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that was the best that he could do. You're uh, welcome. <laughs> MTV came along in 1981, and people saw that he was a, uh, a, a mildly pudgy, balding guy. And all of a sudden, people didn't want to buy his records anymore because Americans are vapid and, and uh, you know superficial. It's kind of like people didn't really know about Hall & Oates. People liked Hall & Oates music. And then they saw Hall and Oates on video and realized that, you know, John Oates was rocking a street sweeper on his upper lip. And all of a sudden people started thinking differently of him. You know, videos give you a different image of what you're hearing. And we've gone from, you know, we've essentially gone full circle. We went from hearing the music without the video all the way back to hearing the music without the video. And now these days they can't do videos because you can't fit. Uh, the 808 drum machine and the auto-tune machine and the 45-member posse and everything else in a video anymore. Well, I don't know. I, I kind of go the other way when I hear your rationale for hearing how a video is accountable. I, I just feel like because the, you know you were saying all the reasons why people stopped buying Christopher Cross's records right. because he, he didn't look good. Right. So I feel like that's just talking about the materialism and, you know, of the American consumer more than it is holding anyone accountable. Well, I mean, still, the the accountability comes from... I want attractive people singing me my music. (laughs) I don't care. Wait a second. Are you telling me because I listen to it, it's not supposed to matter? No, that's ridiculous. (laughs) I want attractive people singing me my music. Well, That's why it's really good that Britney Spears can't play an instrument, but she's got a bunch of number one songs. But before we continue, maybe we should ask Freedom Williams and Martha Wash what they think about all this. (laughs) <laughs> Nicely put. Uh, a CNC Music Factory reference is always good for ratings, so I'm glad you brought them up. But the the thing that I was going to say, and this is this is kind of my theory that you know when you ask me this question, first of all, I realize that every generation dumps on the music of the generation before it, sure, in some way, sure, shape or form, or, or after it. You know what I'm saying, right? So I'm listening to the music that that is popular today among all the teenage girls uh, that are out there. You know, driving for the first time with their windows rolled down, bumping the number one song, thinking they're really cool, um, listening to Robin Thicke. And I'm listening to all that music going, this is awful. And I know that that's completely cliche and all of that. However, my theory is that the computer has been largely responsible for the downfall uh, of popular music. Or Fair, enough. Fair me, enough. Me, I should say, I shouldn't say the downfall of, I should say my ability to like popular music. Fair enough. All right. So I, because of all the manipulation that you can do, uh, and even because of things like Guitar Hero, people are like, oh, I can just play guitar because it's on a video game. Like, no, you actually start trying to play guitar. It's, it's a whole lot harder. It's really takes some practice, you know, and you, there's, there's no points. You're just doing it for you. And somehow that mentality uh, of, like, there needs to be a reward for playing music or I need to be, you know, somehow playing this game I think that, that that has been a contributing factor, and also the amount of work that you can do on someone's voice, be it through auto-tune or studio tricks or the way that recordings become with all the layers of tracks. And I mean, You can make anyone's voice sound like a powerhouse if you really take the time and put in the effort. 
Well, I mean, just look at Justin Timberlake. There, on whatever award show he was on, I, I forget now and it doesn't really matter, but there was all this talk on Twitter, on Facebook, everywhere else about how you know Justin Timberlake was the best entertainer of his generation and blah, blah, blah. And the reason people go so nuts over Justin Timberlake, now granted, he's fairly decent musically. He actually has decent music chops. Uh, I'll give him that. But the reason that people go nuts over him is because he's actually one of the few people who doesn't need to do all these strange uh, vocal histrionics and, and have all the additional layers of stuff in the studio. He's actually moderately talented, and he's one of the few people who can actually pull it off live. That's that's why everybody thinks that he's the entertainer of a generation, because nobody else can do you know what they do live without having some kind of backing track. That's where, I mean, and that really cuts to the heart of my theory about it is in terms of, if I wanted to give you an example that I think really illustrates it, I just look at the fact that people aren't playing instruments very much anymore. Right, right. I mean, if you look at, is Katy Perry walking out and playing playing something while she's doing her show? Ugh, uh, no. God, she's, no. She's doing that weird, I just remember that video where she came out with like a kazoo or a recorder or something, and she was lip recording remember that she was like trying to pretend to play some yeah. instrument and it was a track and any anyway so musically i've i've found myself going back further in time listening to a whole lot more classic rock kind of stuff because the instruments were the thing and sure Jimi hendrix was revolutionary in his recording techniques and his recordings are nothing like what we have today you know well, the thing is, I still – and I, I get laughed out of the studio for saying this every single time. But to me, if I look back at the last 30 years and people throw the term virtuoso all over the place, which somebody said that Justin Timberlake was a virtuoso, and I about laugh my ass off. That's, that's problem one. But I look at virtuosos of the last 30 years, people who are just you know flat out head and shoulders above everybody else musically. And – most of the people that you would think of that are in that conversation are Britpop people, like Elvis Costello. People go nuts over El Elvis Costello, and he's, he's very musically talented. But still, when I think of musical virtuosos over the last 30 years, aside from uh, Randy Watson and Sexual Chocolate, of course, of course. the the, uh, the first person that comes to my mind is Prince. And people are just like, I don't, I don't like Prince. Prince is stupid. Prince doesn't ever sing about anything, blah, blah, blah. Prince is one of the more musically talented people we have ever had hit the radio. He plays all these different musical instruments. He played the entire uh, instrumental portion of his of one of his records at one point, every instrument on it. Uh, he's, you know, he's epic as a vocalist. There and he can cover any style just about and the Super Bowl performance he did a few years ago is the best one of the last 20 years easily. I mean, and again, can do it all live. Yeah, exactly. And even now, the guy is over 50 at this point and is still light years ahead of anybody out there who's 20, 25, 30 years old that everybody swoons over is this great, uh, talented artist. And again, laugh me out of the studio if you want, but to me, if I'm thinking of music of the last 30 years, Prince is one of the names at the top of my list. And that doesn't even get into his songwriting ability and right. the songs he's written for other people. Uh, just in quickly Googling that while you were talking about Prince, <laughs> there is a page on Prince.org, which is kind of amusing in itself, but there, there's a post where it says top 40 hits written by Prince for others, and then it has a separate list of top 40 R&B hits only written by Prince. Wow. So that's a pretty extensive list. You yeah. know, the, the, his effect on the music industry over the last, I don't know how many years I would say, but I mean, these, these songs start at 1983. 
according to this list. So, I mean, 20 years now, the guy has had a huge hand in the world of music. And a lot of people don't seem to recognize that because maybe they're not as familiar with some of his music particularly. But I feel like it would be one of those things where you could go through the list of songs that he's written for other people. And, you, wow, really? He wrote that song? I had no idea. Yeah, and of course... He played guitar on that song? Yeah, and, you know, people all the time want to talk about bands of the 80s, like the Bangles, for instance. He wrote Manic Monday, which was one of the most monstrous hits of the 80s. People love that song. He actually wrote... One of the songs on the Filthy 15, actually two of the songs on the Filthy 15, uh, the PMRC list that Tipper Gore was trying to push so hard in the mid-80s, he wrote Darling Nikki, as you know, and that's, that's one of the, uh, the big ones on that list. But also Sheena Easton's Sugar Walls, he wrote, that was on that Filthy 15. I mean, he's, he's done so much, and this is my measure. If you're doing something that is historically significant musically, if you look back on it uh, you know, down the road, if you look back 10, 15, 20 years, is this something significant? Is this something that will stay with us, or is it disposable? I don't think you can consider anything Prince has done disposable. I think everything he's done has been historically significant in one way or another. And that's to me, that's the true measure. I mean, and of course, there are other names. Uh, we were talking about B.B. King before. There's Ray Charles and all these other uh, artists that have done so many great things. And uh, people don't know them now or won't know them because they're so caught up in all these people like Robin Thicke and... and uh, you know, all this other garbage on the radio these days. I think there's still a period of discovery, though, for anyone when it comes to music, and we can kind of come back to that. But I was going to say that just how good Prince is can be reflected in the fact that I'm willing to forget that he helped write MC Hammer's Prey and uh, Jordan <laughs> Knight's I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man. Actually, that was a cover. So I'll, I'll give him credit on that. Although, knowing what we know about Jordan Knight now, all of a sudden it's a little funnier. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> so, yeah, there's a joke in there somewhere, and that's really all I'm trying to do. Just yeah. trying to, like the, you know, like the test subject, just hit the button over and over again. That's all Something else, by the way, if you go back and uh, it's on one of Prince's hits collections. I forget which one. It might be the hits, too. Uh, the Sinead O'Connor song, Nothing Compares to You, he actually did a version of that before Sinead O'Connor did and did it with a, uh, an R&B singer named Rosie Gaines. And just and sings the hell out of it. Incredible version of that song. And it, all anybody knows is just the Sinead O'Connor version. And if you don't know the Prince version, you're truly missing out. All right. Then I, that's something for me to check out. I have not heard it. <laughs> we, I have uh, missed out in my life. Yes, you have. But I was going to say, though, I mean, seriously, though, Brian, a, a big part of it, though, with generations, you know, my generation looking at the, you know, 16-year-olds of today and thinking, your music sucks. Well, you know what? At 16, I think it's safe to say that everyone's a moron. You know, right. I was not a smart Fair. guy at 16. Yeah. I've grown a lot since 16, which is, you know, some, like not a ton. I've matured to about an 18-year-old level, I think, <laughs> at this point, even though I'm 33. But that's fine. That's neither here nor there. It was really, though, in my later 20s and earlier 30s where I started listening to a lot of the music that I'm still listening to today, which is the classic rock and, and some of the stuff that you could look back on as groundbreaking for the, the genre of rock and roll for so many different ways. And, you know, listening to a band like the Allman Brothers, who are still around today, you know, in a capacity and something like that is something where if you try to play that for me at 16, I would have had no interest, would have had no interest at all. And. As you evolve as a person, I think it becomes easier to maybe get a little bit of perspective and say, hey, I've been around for 
however many years, you know, 20, 25, 30. And as you get a little older, you get a little bit more perspective about music and you hear some of this older stuff and go, wait a second, this sounds incredible, especially compared to this other stuff that I've been listening to for 25 years now. Yeah, see, I'm kind of conflicted because uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, you probably would not immediately realize that I'm Caucasian. Maybe you would. Um, but, you know, when you think of somebody like Sam we, Cooke, can we post a gif of you dancing with that hammer the point home? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, those who okay. can dance, those who can't DJ. That's why I became a DJ. But Copy that. <laughs> Sam Cooke uh, was somebody Fantastic. who was, yeah, exactly. He was somebody who was another one of those that transcends genres to me. And still, you can listen to his stuff now and know, okay, this is something that will stay with this generation, the generation after it, the generation after that. And he went all the way from gospel to uh, you know blues to country to R&B and such, much like Ray Charles. And if you, if you ever get a chance to listen to either of Ray Charles' uh, modern sounds and country and western music records, they are among the best things that have ever been put uh, to, to record. But Sam Cooke, for those of you who don't know, died in 1964. It'll be, it'll be 50 years next year since we lost Sam Cooke. And on one hand, I really wonder what Sam Cooke's career would have been if he hadn't passed. But sure. on, the, on the other hand, I'm kind of glad that I don't know because we appreciate him more for what we did get of him as opposed to what we might have gotten you know, as he aged and, and uh, you know, started t- uh, touring the uh, casino circuit and all that stuff. So it's, it's really tough in situations like that. I think Ray Charles was one of the few... And Willie Nelson's another one who can stay around forever and you don't ever get sick of them. You don't ever feel as though they're, they're losing their fastball. They still have it at an advanced age, and that takes extra special talent. I think it was Bill Hicks who said, you know, had something about, he was talking about Jimi Hendrix saying that if he had lived to today, you know, who knows that if he would have been playing Super Bowl halftime shows. <laughs> and, and I thought that was just brilliant. Um, but, I mean, that's something that's been tackled by people before, just talking about sometimes we always say, oh, this person had so much more to give, which is, I think, what, what Stanhope said about it. But I mean, how do we know that these people really had more to give? Maybe they were just out of stuff. Yeah, maybe they uh, <laughs> maybe they burn out at 37, 38 years right. old. Right, right. Well, that was actually – I thought that was really interesting in that Eagles documentary I watched where they were talking uh, – it was footage you know, back in the 70s where Don Henley and Glenn Fry talking about, you know, like, as, long as, as long as we're able to keep writing songs – and it was clear that they were just like, we, we, we hope we can keep doing it. We think we can. We're not really sure. Speaking of that, um, for those who are into this kind of film, uh, the, the, the band, I don't want to say the band, the band, but uh, the group, the band, which was popular in the 60s and 70s, had a documentary called The Last Waltz that was essentially a chronicle of their last concert ever. Uh, it took place in San Francisco in 1976. Uh, the film came out in 1978. It was directed by Martin Scorsese. But there's a lot of insight into that band. And, and they kind of went their separate ways at a time where they were still you know, getting it done creatively. Uh, they, they still had all the talent in the world. Levon Helm, who is another person you were talking about, the Allman Brothers and, and all these other classic rock artists. Levon Helm is one of the most talented musicians to ever draw breath. And it's just, it's really weird, uh, you know, seeing their conversations as their career basically as a, as a band comes to an end in front of them. I mean, and they had, you know, uh, they had Eric Clapton and Muddy Waters and Bob Dylan and all these people out there for their, their last show. 
and it's just incredible to see how it all came down. They they had a, a version of uh, the weight that they did with the staple singers, which is kind of like a gospel infused kind of uh, thing. It's it's something that people these days don't even know exists, and it's something you need to see if you're at all a music dork, uh, as I admittedly am. I just I, I just keep coming back to the the idea of instruments and, and the way that the sounds that are being created are classic sounds when they're being created with actual instruments. When you can start to manipulate the sound as much, you get away from those sounds that are necessarily the classic sounds, unless that's what you're creating with your computer. But I think you, <laughs> no, I think you, seriously, I think you know what I'm saying. I mean, when it's one person who can control the entire aspect of the track that's being produced. Yeah, something then, else too about the, about the last waltz that on, to that point, if you ever watch that movie, and you watch Levon Helm, and, and it's it's enough that he's singing behind a drum kit while he's playing at the same time. That's that's tough enough to do. But what you hear on that mix, what you hear in that movie, is exactly as it occurred that night. There was no uh, retake, there was no overdub, there was no nothing. Everything is pulled directly off the board from that night for Levon Helm, the way he played, the way he sang. Everything is exactly as it sounded that night, and that is all the more impressive. So you said it was directed by Martin Scorsese? It was. Really? Okay, so what role did Robert De Niro have in it? <laughs> Probably the, uh, the, the behind-the-scenes runner, because uh, allegedly, and again, this, this is not uh, corroborated, but allegedly he, uh, Scorsese and Robbie Robertson, the lead guitarist of the band, were, uh, were doing copious amounts of blow during the, uh, the couple of years between what? the time. You know, it was, Wait a second. Yeah, nobody Someone ever in the music that. industry? Yeah, in the 70s, no uh, less. 70s? That's ridiculous. God. Okay. Well, I might, I don't know if I'll be able to see that movie now, but I might check it out. What are you that anti-blow now? <laughs> Unless it's the movie Blow, I try not to see blow in my movies. <laughs> I've seen a lot of movies that blow recently, but yes, that well, that's a whole other show. That's yeah. a whole other show to start talking about cinema, even though you're pretty much going to hear the same argument from me about it. Speaking of uh, MTV and about things that blow, uh, this what a this tease place... that was for a future show, by the way. Yes, it was. Uh, <laughs> The, Hear me say the same stuff. <laughs> the uh, the beautiful resort town of North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, featured this, an MTV Teen Mom Two star, and I know what you're going to say after this uh, after this lead. So I'll get through the lead and then, uh, you, then what you, you say. Where you stopped is enough for me. I mean, because that's ridiculous. <laughs> Told the uh, star of MTV Teen Mom Two. That's not starring. That's you made a poor life decision. <laughs> The only star – seriously, is there another show that you can really star in where the reason for you being there is just I made a poor life decision? Um, other than like Scared Straight. American Idol. One of those. <laughs> <laughs> That's a debatable life decision, but this is an unquestionably poor life decision. I quit I'm, singing karaoke in the bars. I'm going to be in Hollywood, y'all. <laughs> oh, boy. That's fantastic. Uh really kind of stopped me by tracks so i was not expecting that at all so oh, so God. that's a that's, that is just a poor life decision though that that's how you get on that show so the fact that you would be a star of the show about poor life decisions too is uh, <laughs> is kind of amazing poor life decisions too this fall on mtv see yeah. what i'm expecting now is <laughs> when when you have like casting directors texting these people it's like it's like uh want to be on team mom 2 lol <laughs> and the, the team mom 2 star writes back yolo, <laughs> YOLO. <laughs> i'm totally i'm picturing this now it's like, <laughs> yeah, here's dude, what whatever. i picture 
Here's what I pictured. I pictured that these casting directors are like, so, what do you like to do on a typical Friday night? And they're just grading out the girls on based on like, oh, well, you know, I have to make out with at least three dudes. And I just get so – I usually are blacked out by 11.45. And <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> just trying to find the person who would just be the most out of control. And they could call it the Snooky House and just put those five, like, 16-year-olds together. <laughs> I like going to country bars and starting race riots. <laughs> that kind of thing. That actually is- happened. That happened one time, believe it or not. This oh, this no. is another story I have to tell you. I, I have to, ladies and gentlemen, I have to derail the show for just a minute. This is something I have to share. Okay, because, well, it's the tight structure we have. Well, exactly. I, I normally can't share this on the sports program that we have. Sports Matters, by the way. Uh, sorry about it. Sportsmatters.info. At Sports Matters. Anyway, I actually knew somebody in college. And I'm ashamed to admit this, but I knew somebody in college who was writing a senior thesis on race relations in the South. Mm. So this person took a – and she's you know a white female. She took a black person, a black male, to a country bar, mm. uh, tried to – This isn't going to go well. No. Uh, she apparently – if it did, you wouldn't tell me the story. She apparently heard somebody saying something that she didn't appreciate. So she started mouthing off. The person came to her defense. Uh, we had a brawl get started, and uh, she got kicked out of the bar and eventually failed her thesis. Yeah, well, the great thing about that is it illustrates one of the problems uh, with girls uh, getting a little uh, vocal uh, when they are intoxicated or even not intoxicated is – there are a lot of times where the uh, the wrath of this female is directed towards a guy, and the guy's not going to fight the girl. No, no. But the guy will fight you. Or the the uh, the guy has a girl who is part of his group just for the express purpose of fighting other girls. Uh, you know I, that's something I've never seen, but I have no doubt happens. Oh, I, I have. I've seen it. There there were a few guys that I knew that were baseball players that would roll around with like you know women basketball players and stuff in college. Just for the express purpose of throwing on somebody if it was required. So they they traveled with a female enforcer. Yeah, they uh, they roll deep, man. That's, that's how it works. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> See, you you got to know your angles. You, you got to anticipate. You know that some some woman might come up and start running her mouth at you, and you can't throw. So you've got to have a designated uh, brawler. You know, come in and, and uh, it's kind of like a goon on a hockey team. Wait a minute. Yeah. Did I just call women goons? Sorry about that. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. That instance, I think that's perfectly justified, but I, I just – I find that amazing. You, you you just have a universal tag partner if you're one of you know, the four guys out there. Oh, oh the woman tagged in, got a tag out. <laughs> yes. I, I, I went drinking last night and a Divas match broke out. Well, you know how it is in the mixed tag matches. They don't yeah. really have the girls throw with the dudes. Whenever the girl tags in, the other girl has to tag in. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you never see that coming either. You, <laughs> just once. I would love to see, like, uh, a mixed tag match and have Triple H involved or something like that. And all of a sudden, the, the uh, <laughs> you know, the, the girl tags in and Triple H won't tag out. And the other guys just, like, leave her or something. <laughs> Of course, Jim Ross is retired, but you can just imagine Jim Ross like, oh my god, I can't believe this is going to happen in the ring. What, what in the hell is going on up there? I just pictured Triple H like standing, uh, standing in a corner of the ring just blowing water up in the air as this is happening too. <laughs> just over and over again. Someone get me another bottle of water. <laughs> uh, yes, the, uh, nothing quite like a heel turn in a bar. Um, right. The uh, the back to the Teen Mom two star, which uh, right. we we have so much star. we can tear down out of this story. But 
She told North Myrtle Beach police on dash cam video obtained by local CBS affiliate WBTW that she and her new boyfriend were in a rush to get home to bang when the new car allegedly swerved and led to the third DUI charge for her boyfriend. I know you have some thoughts on this. Please bring them. First of all, I think she just could have said it's a Thursday or whatever day of the week it was. Because <laughs> if you're a Teen, teen Bob 2 star, we know. Okay? We know. We got it. Yeah. We understand. Uh, now, the thing that I remember is that this was not the first uh, traffic incident for the boyfriend that was driving the car. Nope. Third DUI charge. Third. Yeah. Three strikes and you're out kind of law there. No, with a license, or I, I mean, I could have sworn that if you had two, you'd get it taken away. Uh, you'd think, but you know, we are in South Carolina, and you know, maybe on the third offense, you have to ride a moped or ride a horse or something. But uh, in order to get past a third offense, you're going to need to be able to play for a major college football team. <laughs> yeah, you need to have uh, have Steve Spurrier call your newspaper and tell him to take you off of the uh, the Gamecocks beat. That's a whole other story. <laughs> it's three strikes and you're out unless you can run a four four. The uh, the incident happened early Saturday morning in North Myrtle Beach when Janelle Evans, age 21, formerly of Brunswick County, uh, I think that was North Carolina, was riding with Nathan J. Griffith, age 25, of North Myrtle Beach. A police motorcycle clocked Evans' 2007 Toyota that Griffith was driving. That's another smart life decision, letting your drunk boyfriend drive your car. Uh, going 51 and a 40 and later saw him swerving. Uh, Griffith pulled over after a couple of blocks and ran, but was tasered during the incident. Awesome. <laughs> police said he later threw up in the back of a police car, according to authorities. That's an amazing trifecta, a DUI <laughs> where you get tasered and puke at the police car. <laughs> the question is, did he boot and rally out of this? <laughs> what happened? I'm not sure, but I, I'm, I'm curious what the mugshot looked like just because we normally have one. I don't think we do in this case, though. Oh, wait a minute. We, wait we, a second. We might. We might. I'll see. Okay. Uh, so that, that's, that's one. But what I, what I was picturing, though, is seeing some sort of breakdown uh, sports center style, which would mean that you'd have to have tweets pop up in the middle of it or something, <laughs> where they, they go over the form, and they show the swerve into the other lane, and then they show him running and being tasered. And breaking down how he failed. First of all, you got to keep it between the lines. That's inexcusable. That's a mental mistake. Can't have mental mistakes. If it's a physical mistake, you could look back. You know, or something like that. I love that the guy tried to run, though. Oh, I know what's coming. I already had two of these. I have to go back to those classes that I already dropped out of school a while ago. See, this is weak. They, they don't have the uh, mug but they do have selfies that she's posted on Twitter, and they're using those as uh, as part for the copy. <laughs> That's another thing I love about news agencies today. Well, we can't find a picture of her except for this great selfie of her in her new bikini that we found on Google Image Search. They uh, they do have the raw dash cam video, though, which I'll get to what was said on the dash cam video in just a second. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we've already established that dude took off running from the cops, got tased, and uh, Ralph's in the back of a cop car. So we've, we've determined that. Uh, Evans, who was not charged with any crime, is heard on dash cam video trying to explain why Griffith was allegedly swerving and speeding. Quote, honestly, we were trying to have sex, unquote. Evans told a North Myrtle Beach policeman when he asked about the driving. A policeman then asked, quote, that's why you guys were all over the road, unquote. She responded by saying simply, yeah. Now, listen to this, replied Evans, who is still married to Cortland Rogers, but has been Griffith's boyfriend for several weeks. Good. So, uh, 
Yeah. Later, Evans clarified the couple was in a hurry to get home to have sex, but was not actually having it in the car. The policeman said, well, that's not very good. <laughs> you gotta, you, you got to shine me on a little to get out of this ticket is what I'm saying, and you're not doing a very good job. Yeah, when police were questioning her, she seemed to slur her speech and said that she did not know how much she had to drink that evening, which included a trip to the very heavily advertised Molly Darcy's Irish Pub on the beach. Uh, Evans did say they had two drinks and two shots, and a couple of minutes later, Evans said she had a shot, maybe two, maybe three. Uh, Evans also later confirmed she had moved to North Myrtle Beach from Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, and the officer asked Evans if she was going to be on MTV, and she replied, quote, yes, unfortunately, unquote, and cracked up laughing. Uh, On Tuesday, she tweeted she might be moving from the area because of what she calls police harassment, quote, now since I have to be harassed, all caps, by the police here, going to move once again, WTF, unquote. I don't really think it's harassment if it's a third DUI. No. No. I'm sorry. I can't give that one to you person whose name I don't remember. (laughs) Matters. It doesn't doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Um, Yeah, when it's an actual crime, I don't feel like it's harassment. If your boyfriend felt the need to run away from the scene so much that he got tasered, that's not harassment. That's just being stupid. But listen to this, though. Griffith was charged with resisting arrest, speeding in a reduced speed zone, driving on the wrong side of the road, disobeying a police officer, driving under suspension, license not suspended for DUI, third or subsequent offense, and driving under the influence, third offense. And this makes the fact that he ran and got tased all that much funnier. Griffith was a professional fighter before working at the Wyndham Hotel in Myrtle Beach. He has recently been accepted to start fighting in the Mixed Martial Arts League, according to Janelle's tweet. Well, that's great. Why didn't he try to ground and pound on one of the officers? Why'd you run away? <laughs> if, you're, if you're an ultimate fighter, let's go. Rear naked, choke some of those people out, and then be on about your way. You know, he should have just looked sure at that his... you get clinch gear or whatever your sponsor is into your post match, uh, you know, presser. Yeah, he should have just looked at his tap out gear and just recognized. Right. Yeah. Say you could say you could do your interview by your. You don't even need someone to ask you the questions. They're always the same. Just look into the cop car dash cam and give your post game speech <laughs> and you know props to clinch gear and tap out and all my great sponsors and science or wherever the heck else bud light mickey's whatever yeah and then you can run off and not be tasered once you've rear naked choked all the cops out i mean come on you must not be a lethal weapon like some of the other mma fighters see that's another thing too i i always crack up at uh you know people who are mma fans and you know not not really dissing them so much because some of our really good friends are 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 big huge mma people uh you know there there are some of them that i won't name on this program who are big huge mma people but they were they were really just going nuts about how fox sports one had this huge lead up for uh mcgregor i forget his first name the the irish and i don't know it yeah the the irish ufc guy who had had one fight and came out and they gave him the big, huge, uh, you know, lights out intro and all that stuff. And he tore his ACL in that in that one fight. And you know, people. Oh, were just I thought like, you were going to say during the intro that that would have been amazing. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But yeah. people were like, I can't believe they gave him all this big intro after one fight. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, they give intros to jobbers in the WWE. Why are you not getting all twisted about that? Oh, wait a minute, because UFC is real. Really? <laughs> well, the the thing about UFC though is. 
come on, it's it's a sport that's based around people trying to knock the other person out. So sure. it doesn't exactly inspire the most complex thought usually. Most of the time when you're watching a fight like that, what do you end up screaming at the television if you actually get into it? Hit him or punch him or kick him or something of that. You know, like, you just want to see the guy. If you really get into it, you just want to see them finish him off or something like that, right? How many people are really watching it going like, oh, the, man, the tactics he's displaying during this fight are just really sound. It's a really smart smart job uh, smart job by this fighter taking this fight to the ground, you know, taking it to the ground where he's a wrestler. This is just really good, where everyone else watching it with you would just be going, this is boring. It's one dude laying on top of another dude. Boring to me. And you can try and spin it as much as you want, but if that happens for three straight rounds or five rounds in a championship fight, uh, that gets pretty boring. Come on, punch him in the balls. Come on. (laughs) No, that's not legal, Mr. Buddy Lee Phillips. (laughs) It should be. It's how Mm. real men fight. Well... Uh, they can stop the fight now, Mr. Lee Phillips, when it gets to a point where one guy looks like he's out on his feet. They don't actually wait for him to knock the people out necessarily. <laughs> See, we need Smokey to come running into the ring after those fights. He just got knocked up. Anyway. I feel like Chris Tucker might be available, though. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's certainly no, not working. Yeah. <laughs> I would think he would get a lot of money to do that, too. I forget. When was this, like four or five years ago that people were starting to spread rumors about Chris Tucker having some incurable disease and, and that's why he wasn't working anymore and he, he had to you know, like come out and deny them? I could be confusing that with the wrong person, but I could swear it was, it was him where people were alleging all this. I don't that, – that sounds familiar even though I don't remember it. Although isn't it odd the celebrities that end up having these hoaxes happen about them? Like remember the, the Zach Braff is dead? deal and then he made a video later that day hi not dead <laughs> i just would like to say to so and so whoever did this i really would like you to apologize to my mother <laughs> you know and that was fantastic the way he responded to it but still like why why him why zach braff well of course um i had to go to the authority for you know whenever things like this happen yahoo answers because of course, you know, if, you're, if you're going to find out the real truth about someone, you can't go to anywhere other than Yahoo Answers because nobody ever has the ability to write incorrect things. Nobody would ever say anything malicious right. about anybody. But somebody actually asked, does Chris Tucker have HIV or AIDS? And the best answer as chosen by voters was, I don't think so. He's gained a lot of weight. Usually with AIDS, you lose a lot of weight. Well put. Right, uh, Magic Johnson? Yes. Oh, oh, is that hitting a little too close to home there? Ooh. Hey, actually, I, swing Madge. I, I let me just say this. I am so thankful for the scientific advancements that have kept Magic Johnson alive, kept him healthy, everything else. But it doesn't look as though he's suffering all that much in terms of his uh, his stature. No, he seems like he's doing great. And I mean, yes, I, I applaud all of the the you know advancements that have been made in terms of treatment and medication. It, it is pretty amazing what's been able to happen with that in a fairly short amount of time. So. Uh, but at the same, I mean, well, uh, I'm about to get off on a whole other tangent about drug companies and insurance, which is not where we want to go. No, so we're just going to no. skip that and say, you know what? Glad you're still doing well, Madge. Well, uh, let's uh, let's segue from Teen Mom into uh, this. <laughs> There's no way yeah, to set this up. A lot of people, really. hopefully, are trying to segue from Teen Mom into something else. Well, meanwhile, Teen Moms are trying to Hey-o. segue into other dudes, but. Uh, men with smaller testicles are more likely than their well-endowed brethren to be involved in the care of their toddlers, anthropologists at Emory University report. 
you sent this to me earlier today, and all I can say is this just smacks of racism. <laughs> what, are you, what are you trying to say? The, uh, the higher the testosterone levels and larger the testicles, the smaller the amount of direct paternal caregiving by dads is reported by parents in the study. So, so what you're telling me is anybody you Point ever star. see on Mari has big nuts. You can pretty much just go ahead and count that now. <laughs> It's a good point. I was just going to say that maybe uh, some of the actors that are, uh, you know, in in some of the uh, more actual adult films, the ones that are actually made in Chatsworth as opposed to whatever <laughs> soundstage uh, Hotel Erotica 6 has been made on. <laughs> I think that's an actual title. I don't know. So it's it's not important. But I guess the actors in that industry probably don't take care of their kids. Is that what they're trying to say? Or yeah, although you know you can't really have kids with somebody's back or stomach or face. But I digress. That's true. Hmm. Sorry, I, I, just, really I had to bring facts into out. this. Yeah, I have to bring yeah. facts in. That's that's yeah. And uh, also have to give a uh, shout out to our friends over at Broiled Sports, by the way. Who every Monday they have a Maury clip that they feature. So if you want to find out more about Maury and, uh, you know, deadbeat dads and people that do dances after they're not the dad, uh, go check out our friends over at Broiled Sports every Monday and you'll see a, another Maury clip. Did they have a definitive breakdown yet on what happens after the the big reveal? They need to. They need to. That that should be, I think, a staple on their site. I think they, they'd be able to put together video clips, simple editing. You could put this together just from the clips that are on YouTube even. Yeah, you'd think. Oh, I'm sure. Who knows? Uh, Run backstage and fall into the fake bricks. <laughs> or fall onto the couch. Uh, you know, flail uh, flail up and down, uh, kicking and all that stuff. <laughs> the The funny thing is, there was that one woman who brought five guys on there, and none of them were the dad. And she's like, it has to be one of them. I didn't sleep with anybody else. And then like a month later, she comes back with three other guys. I'm just like, really? Those are uh, incredible, staged or not. I don't. I don't. They still amuse me. I don't watch the show very often, but every once in a while, I get directed to a clip, and it's it's pretty glorious. And as always, whenever we talk about this, I like to point out that one of my favorite parts of Mori is the three step step handshake hug that he executes with all of his guests. Uh, yeah, the uh, the bro hug is. Yeah, yeah. He's got. He's you know, or keeps his game tight. <laughs> you got to keep your game tight when you're 74 that, years old. And that sweater nicely starched. <laughs> Seriously, Mari Povich, it's it's important that we point this out. Mari Povich is 74, and he's still hosting paternity shows. Well, you know, when you find your calling, Brian, it's tough to walk away from it. Everything old is new again, man. Arsenio Hall's back on the air. Yeah, why? Uh, I don't know. I guess they wanted somebody to give Bethany Frankel a run for her money. Is that it? <laughs> I, I saw that it was some billboard or something where it was the first time that I heard about Arsenio being back on the air. And the fact that I heard about it via billboard in this day and age is, is pretty ridiculous. They didn't, I don't think they did a very good job on their marketing. They go outside with a megaphone, extra, extra, read all about it. Arsenio comes back Tuesday. Yes, they hired little boys and knickers <laughs> sell it, standing on street corners with fake papers. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You said knickers, right? Just wanted to clear that up for our listening audience. So you, you did say knickers, correct? Yeah. Okay. Just just didn't want to get any hate mail. Just wanted to make sure that that was clear. 
Did I, did I say something wrong? Uh, no. Just, I, I, did I, you I, take it in the British sense? No, I, I didn't want somebody thinking we said something other than knickers. Oh, gosh. What in the South Park Wheel of Fortune is going on? <laughs> no, let's, let's just not. <laughs> let's proceed. Anyway, how about that weather we've been having, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was awkward. Uh, but, uh, by the way, speaking of weather, really quickly, um, my, my father the other day brought up Stephanie Abrams on the Weather Channel. Um is there any reason to watch the Weather Channel now other than just female meteorologists? No. Because you can get weather on your phone. You can get weather by, you know, God forbid, going outside. Uh, mm, <laughs> no, don't do that. You don't, you don't need to watch the Weather Channel 24 hours a day. Even now, if there's like a hurricane or something, which we have to worry about here, and I guess you guys to a lesser degree there, you can turn on like any news network and they'll show you hurricane updates. You don't have to watch the Weather Channel. And now, you know, you don't have to watch the perfect storm or storm stories or, you know, Jim Cantori flexing in front of a bathroom mirror or whatever it is they decide to show. You know, you don't have to watch that stuff anymore. It's irrelevant. They have one of their people flex in front of a bathroom mirror? Nobody should because he's Jim Cantori. Yeah, I'm sorry. I wish I had watched the Weather <laughs> Channel ever in my life other than – I can't remember ever having the Weather Channel on for more than about a minute and a half. I have for hurricane coverage because obviously – Sure. Okay, me. that's that's fine. You know, If they had earthquake coverage on the Weather Channel, maybe I would need it a little bit more. So but uh, they don't. Wh- while I continue with this, if you want to see the person to whom I'm referring, she is at Stephanie Abrams on Twitter if you, uh, if you really care. There's a, a full body shot of her there. But anyway, continuing, quote – uh, our data suggests that the biology of human males reflects a trade-off between mating and parenting. Anth- Emory anthropologist James Rilling, whose lab conducted the research, reports on the Atlanta University's website. The Proceedings of Nas- the National Academy of Sciences published stu- uh, study details this week. The goal of the research, Rilling says, was to determine why some fathers work harder at parenting than others. I think that's pretty self-evident. Quote, previous studies have shown that children with more involved fathers have better social, psychological, and educational outcomes, unquote. He told the school's website. Hmm. Really? Okay. You're uh, you're better when you have a parent around. Who knew? Apparently, yeah. That's uh, apparently that's good research right there. <laughs> the uh, the report notes that economic, social, and cultural factors could also influence a father's level of caregiving. Although statistically significant, the correlation between testicle size and caregiving was not perfect. I cannot believe I just read that. It wasn't perfect? Apparently oh, not. Hmm. The fact that we found this variant suggests personal choice, Rilling said. So is he saying that you can choose your parent or you can choose the size of your nuts? Or what is he saying exactly? I, I think that this whole theory is pretty ridiculous. I mean, just from a pure nature standpoint, I'm sure you can rationalize your way through it or logic your way through it. Just think, thinking about, okay, well, you know. If you're looking in nature as to what's a desirable mate, if that's something that's going to be drawing other people to it, you know, to to a male in the wild. Yeah. You know, so it's okay. okay so that's going to draw more – that's going to be drawing the, the parenting side of it, whereas the actual raising the child is going to fall to the other people who don't – you know, aren't as impressive. I guess you could lo- try to logic your way through it in that way in nature. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. Well, see, there are all these stories out there now too where allegedly men are – more physically attracted to women who are curvier because they have the ability to bear children, mm-hmm. or so it's alleged. Meanwhile, women are uh, apparently asso- you know, more attracted to or associated with men with more uh, rugged features, more testosterone, because they are more potent. 
Sure. Sure. So, I mean, so you have those those things in nature that are playing into it, but still, I just I feel that this study is so dangerous in so many ways. I just can only wait for some you know deadbeat dad to just like pull out his piece in court and just be like, "Look at this! How am I supposed to be a parent? You saw the study? Did you see the study? This thing's huge." Case dismissed. Yeah. <laughs> but see, now I'm wondering because we were talking about those things that are attractive. Do, do you see? A male bear, like out in the wild, and he sees a female bear with, like, you know, with like a Kim Kardashian butt or something. He just steps back. And he's like, "Damn!" <laughs> do, do, yeah. do animals take like like that? Do they do they look for curvier women, you know, who look like they'd be able to bear children, or you know, do they just look for any port in the storm, or what's what's the deal with the animal kingdom? It well. That's a pretty easy thing to answer in a concise <laughs> manner, but while I'm going to attempt to do it, it was, I was watching – it seems like it varies a great deal, but one of the things that I saw was that there was a – it was a it was a show on – it was on otters and uh, – or no, it was beavers. Excuse me. So what, what they were talking about <laughs> – thank you – is about the way that these – you know that the beavers are able to build their dams and create their own kind of – uh, you know, create their area and create like lakes where there would be lakes otherwise, and they help shape like nature as we see it. And it started talking about what the way that beaver families work. And this one young male had to kind of go off on his own, and he was just—they were just saying he was just hoping to find a mate, any mate that would be available. And they show these, you know, two beavers supposedly meeting for the first time, and they just swim up to each other and they're just hanging out for the rest of the time because they finally found another available mate and they'd be able to work together and do all this other work faster to build their dam in the next place. So apparently it was Eddie Port in the storm. Did they show later where the, uh, the, the female beaver was doing all the work and she was yelling at the male beaver because he was, you know, drinking beer and watching football. Is that, is that how that worked? No, he was off to the side holding her purse. <laughs> the, uh, the study included 70 biological fathers, and by the way, I, I like that. Very, very nicely done. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the study included 70 biological fathers who were living with their toddler and its biological mother. The mothers and fathers were separately interviewed about the father's involvement in tasks such as changing diapers, feeding and bathing a child, and caring for a sick child. MRI technology was used to measure brain activity and, quote, testicular volume, unquote. Mm. So... What? <laughs> Okay, so they were they were using an MRI to accurately get the size of the testicles is what one part of it was. Yeah, and then the other part of it, talking about brain activity, I don't I don't know how that exactly plays in because I'm not a scientist, so I I, I really can't help you much there. Although, I mean, I have no brain activity. So I don't know how I would fit the study. <laughs> They're sitting there watching the machine. The the woman is, and she's like, "You're thinking about my sister again, aren't you?" Huh? What? What? <laughs> Did I just black out? What? <laughs> Do that awkward. What? What? What are you talking about? No. A Rilling says, and, and he just completely shoots a hole in his own theory here. He says, we're assuming that testes size drives how involved the fathers are, but it could also be that when men become more involved as caregivers, their testes shrink. What? <laughs> That's what he said. That seems an interesting theory. Um... That seems like the worst advertisement for be a dad ever. Yeah, so basically what that's saying is when you become a parent, your balls shrink. You don't have the balls to be a parent. I thought that just happened when you got older anyway. <laughs> I thought that's what happened when you started watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians instead of uh, football. 
Yes, though I think that's true. Um, <laughs> it's actually, you know what? I don't know if you know this. Did you see the article? It was they were saying that actually watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians instead of football is the first step that they put on uh, Chaz Bono when they were putting her through a procedure. It was like <laughs> they started her on that, and then it was medication to try to change the hormones around, and then it was actually the surgical procedure. Wow. <laughs> We need to put an asterisk by that. We can, we cannot confirm this. We can't. I thought that had been confirmed. Well, you know, all science is real. Everything you see on the internet's real. It's... Everything on the internet is real. Did that come from Wikipedia? I'm pretty sure it did. It may have. I may have put it there, but that's okay. So, uh, do we want to make fun of a criminal or two? I do. I wanted. <laughs> I just remembered this. I heard this the other day. I think it was on the, the cashing in uh, with T.J. Miller podcast where they were talking about riots and they mentioned it was it a race riot and the other guy said yeah uh, you know cash levy said yes it was a race riot tg miller says oh so they ran a marathon and then fought <laughs> and it's so stupid but I, i've been cracking up at it ever since that's the best kind of humor the stupid kind yeah that works perfect for me so uh we were talking about people who you know may have smaller testicles and may not be good parents mm. i'm gonna go ahead and guess this guy not the best of parents uh dateline <laughs> Tate line somewhere in Florida. Uh, doesn't say where. Uh, oh, yeah, it does. Rockledge, actually. I'll, I'll tell you a story about Rockledge off air sometime. But Okay. He drunkenly backed a car into his girlfriend while celebrating her birthday, according to police. That's, uh, that's going to be a pretty bad birthday for her. Right. The other thing, too, is, is right away, I was just going to say, that's not going to be just a bad birthday, but that might be a bad extended period because, as you know, some girls like celebrating their birthday week, weekend, month. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. That might be a really long time. And uh, I'm going to send you a mug while, while I'm, uh, I'm going oh over this. But <laughs> pay, uh, pay attention to the back of the individual shirt. The hairy back of neck tattoo? Uh, yeah, that's, yeah. That's good. Uh, Wesley Benton, age 32, was arrested after he backed into April Dora, 33, in a 2013 Hyundai, according to Florida Highway Patrol Sergeant Kim Montez. Now, you and I both have or have had a Hyundai at some point, so I need to know what kind of Hyundai this is. Of course, sure. they didn't bother to tell us. Uh, I mean, if it's if it's like a Santa Fe or something big, I mean, that's, that's a problem. But if it's something like an Accent or an Elantra or something like that, she probably could just throw it off of her. <laughs> Good point. Something hurt. Let me get it off of me. The uh, the you crash occurred. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the crash occurred on U.S. Highway One near Friendship Place in Rockledge about eight forty five p.m. Sunday. Dora was airlifted to Holmes Regional Medical Center. Montez said she's in stable condition. Montez said Benton submitted to a blood alcohol test and blew over a point two. Shocker. Uh, he was charged with driving under the influence and was previously found guilty of reckless driving when reduced from DUI. In 2010. Wow, that's uh, that's not good. No, no, not so much. Not good at all, in fact. Jeez, I, I just—how fast were you going backing up? I don't know, but uh, <laughs> apparently, pretty quickly. If if he could, you know, run her over, backing up in a Hyundai. Wow. We uh, we were talking, by the way, of. Teen Mom. I'm surprised this yeah. person hasn't already been on Teen Mom at some point. She was seven months pregnant 
with fresh track mark- marks on her arms, according to police reports. Oh, good. At about 10 p.m. on Labor Day, records show a Palm Bay, Florida police officer spotted Allison Noel McCarty, 35, driving with a headlight out. The officer stopped the car. McCarty said the Honda Civic she was driving was hers. She had no proof of registration but handed over her ID. The officer noticed the marks on McCarty's arms. The officer then asked to search her car, and she agreed. In her purse, the police found an uncapped needle with traces of liquid that later tested positive, positive rather as opium, according to police records, the hottest uh, illegal drug of 1892. Seriously. McCarty said it was oxycodone, and she did not have a prescription. There was also a small medicine bottle that the officers said smelled like pot and tested positive for cannabis residue, hopefully the Peyton Manning variety. Uh, McCarty was arrested and charged with possession of a controlled substance and drug paraphernalia. That that that's, baby has no choice. That's that's well, that's just sad. Yeah, I mean the the drug bombs that that is that's legitimately sad. I, I don't really feel like making a joke about that is going to be something that's going to be good for either of us. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just that that's that's disturbing. By the way, before we continue, you you had mentioned to me that, and uh, for those of you who are are uh, not aware, this is not a live program. Sorry to you know break the fourth wall for you, but. You were, you were mentioning about how Julian Edelman didn't save as a starter on your fantasy team. I'm going to go ahead and guess that was one of those protective measures that they built into the league for you. They might think that you're, uh, you know, drunk subbing, and uh, you know, it, it did it just to save you from yourself. It's a it's a PPR league, though, man. He's going to end up catching like 12 passes tonight. Yeah, he's the new Wes Welker. 12 catches for 68 yards. Right. But still, with those twelve catches, that's uh, uh, that'll be eighteen point six points if I can do math on the fly. Which we said we already established. I'm not good at it. <laughs> the um, this next story probably needs Buddy Lee Phillips to read it. If you're okay with it, I'll invite him in. We can, uh, we oh, can let him read. It. He should never leave. All right, uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, Chester County man who police say tried to steal a deer hunting stand and other items from a Walmart in Rock Hill was arrested when he punched a loss prevention employee who tried to stop him from leaving the store on Friday. <laughs> Stealing a deer stand? You just go out and build that son of a bitch. You don't need to steal yeah. one. Wrong with you, Seriously. Pick. About 10.30 a.m., police were dispatched to the Walmart after receiving calls about a shoplifter wearing blue jorts and a plaid white and beige shirt who was trying to leave the store with $553 worth of merchandise, including a pressure washer, compressor, socket sets, and a deer hunting stand, according to a Rock Hill police report. Wow. That's a, that's a good day's work right there. A, that's... Uh, that's... <laughs> I guess you wouldn't want to have to go through doing that all again. You know, that's why he just punched the guy on the way out. Well, uh, ruined my plan. Yeah, see, it is, it is kind of hard to to load them things in a basket and go around looking for all them things to steal. I mean, it kind of takes a takes some homework first. <laughs> a uh, loss prevention employee told police that the suspect identified as Ricky Charles Huffstetter Jr. Of course, he's a junior, twenty seven. Or 27, sorry. Loaded, loaded the items in a shopping cart and tried to leave the store before he and another loss prevention employee approached him, the report states. Huffstetter punched the other employee in the left side of the face, making his glasses fall off, and then ran into the bushes next to the store. The employee saw Huffstetter get into a green Ford expedition that left the parking lot. How the hell are you going to get a deer stand in an expedition? Put it in a truck, you dumbass. They left the parking lot, the report states. Police found and stopped the car in the area off Dave Lyle Boulevard and Springdale Road and took Huffstetter into custody. The, uh, the expedition's driver, a woman, told police that Huffstetter called her saying he lost the car keys and needed her to pick him up, quote, in the bushes near Walmart, unquote, the report states. <laughs> like she'd just know where that was. 
It's just where you came to get me last time, dear. Come on. No, it's just in the bushes near Walmart somewhere. <laughs> It'll be good. No, I'll find you. It'll be fine. You know that place we got it on that one time? Right there. <laughs> You know that place we left a shed that we bought at Home Depot a few weeks ago? <laughs> that place where we stashed a meth. Uh, police charged Huffstetter with shoplifting and third-degree assault and battery. At the jail, Huffstetter told officers he hid in the bushes because loss prevention personnel jumped him, the report states. He told police he was shopping in the garden center and the store employees approached him. He denied stealing and told authorities he did not punch the employee, the report states. He told police he hid in the bushes so he could get away from the store. He was released on $3,000 bond. Yeah, I guess I think that Mr. Huffstetter might want to remember the things called video cameras and that a lot of stores have these for security reasons to be able to review what has gone on in their store in case something is stolen, maybe to ID a suspect. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't use video cameras for that purpose. You don't use security cameras for that. You use it for banging and for watching World's Wildest Police videos. That's that's all they're good for. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that. I, I you ain't never, then you ain't I guess never there's no up. good reason that he wouldn't have gotten away with it. You ain't never stepped a foot in the damn south in a dang your life. No, not really. Damn carpet baggers. That's me. <laughs> Heavy bag made of carpet in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's our podcast title. A bag made of carpet. Bag made of carpet. <laughs> yep, there it is. I, I, I feel as though I haven't done this in a while. Uh, yep. <laughs> oh, and no uh, one, I love how no one will understand that reference yet. We're gonna we're gonna keep doing it anyway, and until someone asks exactly why. Yeah, because screw you. You should get our inside jokes. You should know these things. No, you're gonna have to ask us exactly why before we share. It better just be something for us. Yeah, you can you can and send us like, an email. <laughs> send us an email, dtmapodcast at gmail dot com, or tweet us at did that make error, and we'll we'll tell you the whole uh, the whole story. So um, as we wind down the show, we have one or two more things we could hit. I'll let you choose between the two, or we could hit both, or we could hit neither. But this is the uh, time of the program where I'll I'll let you make the decision. We could either talk about racist at Red Lobster. Or we could talk about a death at Walmart. Your call. Oh gosh, neither of those uh, are. I know. I know the racist at Red Lobster story. <laughs> I don't know about the death at Walmart. I'm scared to, to choose death over racism. But I know the racism story is already really bad. So I'm hoping that the death one is somehow actually funny, even though it involves a death. Not really. <laughs> Sorry to break so, it to you. Then what? What are we doing here? That we wanted funny stories. Well, it's it's funny to us, but it's probably not funny to other people. Oh boy! All right, we uh, we can go back and, and hit the racist red lobster thing if you want. But um, I thought we hit that on sports matters. No, we didn't actually. We didn't have time. Oh. Okay. Yes, we have a three-hour show and didn't have time, ladies and gentlemen. You didn't that's, get that in. That's how this works. Yeah. Uh, Dateline: Bellevue, Nebraska, an Eastern Nebraska man has sued Walmart, saying the failure of an overfilled plastic shopping bag led to the death of his wife. The lawsuit was first filed in February by William Fries of Plattsmouth, Plattsmouth, in Sarpy County, but has since been moved to U.S. District Court in Omaha. I'm going to guess Plattsmouth on that, maybe. The Lincoln Journal Star reported, The lawsuit says the bag failed on April 16, 2010, outside a Walmart store in an Omaha suburb. The lawsuit says a cashier placed two 42-ounce cans of a La Choy product and a two-pound bag of rice in a single bag and handed it to Lynette Fries. The bag broke as she carried it to her car, the lawsuit says. 
and one of the cans fell on her right big toe, cutting and fracturing it. The injuries led to an infection that spread through her body, and despite antibiotics, hospitalizations, and two surgical procedures, ultimately resulted in her death on March 12, 2011. That's sad. That's suspicious is what that is. I, I'm, I, I've never heard of somebody who had a, a can of La Choy, whatever it is, fall from just the right height and hit at just the right angle to where all of a sudden it's like a Liu Kang fatality thing all in just one one fall. It's I'm I'm not getting it. <laughs> I I don't know. I, again, this this since it involves a death of someone who did nothing except go to Walmart, uh, I feel bad trying to find a joke in it. But at the same time, like that's an amazing string of events, isn't it? Finish him. Isn't that just an amazing string of events though that would lead to dropping a bag? And eventually that leads to you dying. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a rough day in the big leagues right there for, for wow. that to happen. Um, the, let's see. The lawsuit said Walmart failed to properly train its employees on filling the bags or when double bagging should be employed. Now, that is, that is absolutely 100% correct. If you ever go to Walmart and buy anything like soap or household cleaner or you know some kind of something that might be poisonous, chances are they'll put it in with like your ground beef and your crackers and your chips and everything. And meanwhile, you're going to the next line down just frantically searching for other bags to move your your uh, cleaners and everything to so that they don't cross-contaminate. Or maybe that's just me and I'm OCD or something. Oh, gosh. I've said too much. No, I think that that's perfectly uh, fair and accurate. I, I just have to say, though, that... Um, because I lived in California most of my life, I have not spent a lot of time in my life going to Walmart. So I can neither confirm nor deny the bagging policy. Well, see, if we all went to, uh, you know, to fabric bags, this wouldn't be an issue. Cough, cough. <laughs> there you go. Uh, can, I, can, go I, can I change the story? To, can, I, can I just go off of both of those stories and try to end with something that's at least got some funny in it? You can. Please? Yes. All right. A Dublin man assaulted a shopkeeper with a bar of chocolate because of a long-running feud between the pair. <laughs> that sounds like the best assault ever. <laughs> Philip Carroll, 60, was enraged when he threw the bar at Lee Riley and punched him and threatened to burn down his shop and home. Carroll of Ballyfermot Road, and this is, this is from Ireland, so excuse me if I stumble over some of the names of my ancestors and my heritage. Uh, <laughs> Carroll uh, denied two counts of threatening to cause criminal damage and one assault of assaulting Mr. Riley. Judge Alan Mitchell found him guilty in Dublin District Court. Mr. Riley said in evidence he was working the store when the defendant came in and told the shop assistant, by having Riley working here, the store will suffer the consequences. He made threats to burn down the store with my mom and dad and my sisters in it, said Riley. He said, you were selling drugs to kids. I said in anger, you're suspected a pedophile. Then he threw a chocolate bar at me and he threw a punch. Nice. I, I just want to go over that again because that's that's kind of an amazing passage. He said, you're selling drugs to kids. I said in anger, you're a suspected pedophile. He threw a chocolate bar at me and then threw a punch. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, I feel like that must have been one of those reflex actions where whatever was in his hand was going to be thrown. Yeah. You but know what I'm talking I'm kind of thinking to myself, you know how if you go in like ice cream shops and all this all yeah. this kind of place, you see death by chocolate ice cream? Did they have that in mind? I don't think that's what they had in mind, although I like where your head's at. <laughs> You're trying to find a reason that he could have thought, you know what? 
I'm going to really get the better of this guy by throwing my chocolate bar at him. <laughs> you walk into, like, TCBY or something like that. It's like, break yourself. They, they throw a chocolate bar at you. Well, uh, you just walked in the door. I didn't like the way he looked, and uh, out he went. If you froze certain candy bars, I could see that working better than others. Uh, yeah. Just your average run-of-the-mill chocolate bar. I don't think that's going to do much. I'm, uh, I'm saying a Snickers is probably... I was thinking frozen Butterfinger. <laughs> okay. It's all... Have you ever had a frozen Butterfinger? Uh, no. I, I think uh, Bart Simpson turned me off on Butterfingers. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. I don't eat them much anymore, but I remember having them uh, in the past. And those could get quite firm. Put them in the freezer. I'll, uh... That's just like a rock. Since you wanted to go out on something funny, I'll go out on something funny too. I have two quick things okay. that that because we can't we can't go out on somebody dying because you know some Chinese food fell on them. That's that's terrible. Uh, right. Dateline Bakersfield, California. Twerking may be all the rage amongst teens and some of their favorite celebrities, but one mother's had enough of the popular and controversial dance move. Mm. When uh, Frances Henna of Bakersfield, California, found out that her 13-year-old daughter twerked at a recent school dance, how dare you twerk? She took some rather extreme measures. Hannah made her daughter stand on a busy city street holding a sign reading, quote, I was disrespecting my parents by twerking at my school dance, unquote. Oh, Hannah God. took things one step further by calling up a local news station to let it know where and when they could find her daughter holding up the anti-twerking sign. The TV station obliged and showed up to cover the girl's punishment for its daily newscast. Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> I'm just picturing the interview with this girl. Um, well... I just, mom, do I have to do this? Okay, I just, I just want to tell people that twerking's wrong, I guess, <laughs> and you shouldn't do it because, you know, my parents told me not to. Like I don't know, whatever. The uh, the upset mom says she warned her daughter ahead of time not to twerk before she left. <laughs> Whatever you do, I don't care if you blow a guy in the bathroom, whatever, don't you dare twerk and bring shame on this family, whatever you do. No twerking on a 36-year-old man in a black-and-white suit. That's ridiculous to, to even think that's okay at a school dance when she's 18, she can do whatever she wants. As of right now, that's not something she's going to be doing, her mom said. And then they had to wrap it up this way. Britain's Oxford Dictionary Online recently defined twerk as, twerk as dancing to popular music in a sex, sexually provocative manner involving thrusting hip movements and a low squatting stance. Okay. Well, you know, I would love to see people try to recreate uh, twerking based on that description. Do you know what twerking is? No. Okay, here's a description. Please show us what you think it is. Uh, so that would be entertaining um, just to try to find people that don't know what that means at this point. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't see this quite ripping the culture the way that just dance at other times has despite what's been written about it i don't think that we're going to be finding a new patrick swayze by like dirty twerking coming out <laughs> you know what i'm saying well you won't find patrick swayze anything coming out anymore but new, i said a point. new patrick swayze <laughs> well sorry a new actor who's like <laughs> patrick swayze i know he's dead even though dalton has never died I, I must say, uh, I, I'm now picturing Chubby Checker releasing a new single called The Twerk. <laughs> He's like 800 years old. <laughs> <He's>... <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Never mind. I, I can't even sing it because it's just it throws me off too badly. But. That might be for the best. I, <laughs> and I uh, just, yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. And we have to end by making fun of Utah because we don't make fun of Utah enough on this program. So let's uh, let's make fun of them. A Utah dad fed up, and by the way, uh, sorry Utah listeners, we still love you. We we like to make fun of you because I make fun of my home state. A, uh, a Utah dad fed up with his daughter's preference for very short shorts decided to teach her a lesson by putting on some Daisy Dukes of his own. I feel like you're sending the wrong message. Um, <laughs> Scott McIntosh was about to go on a family night out, but when he asked his daughter to kindly change into longer shorts and she refused, he took some scissors to an old pair of his of his own jeans, and I, I have to send you the photo of this because oh I can I cannot continue without your seeing it. Because immediately I'm going to reference Doctor Tobias Finke. Uh, that's part of it, and also the shirt wow. too. The shirt is wow. Wearing the best dad ever shirt is fantastic, and the uh, the silicone bracelet too. It's baller. I like it. Yes. Did please tell me we have a quote from the daughter? Uh, I believe we do. We'll we'll find out. The. Uh, the result was a revealing pair of cutoffs designed to show his daughter her shorts aren't as cute as she thinks they are. Quote, In our family, we have pretty definite modesty guidelines, unquote. Macintosh wrote on his wife Becky's blog. <laughs> of course he wrote it on, on his wife's blog. <laughs> Why wouldn't you? Yeah. One of those guidelines happens to be no short shorts. Quote, I'm a firm believer that the way we dress sends messages about us and it influences the way we and others act, unquote. He writes... Every Monday, the Macintoshes do something together in an effort to try to spend some time with just the family. Last Monday, they decided to go out and eat. His daughter's name, by the way, is Miley, M-Y-L-E-Y. Uh, and uh, I'll... Did you set her up for short shorts by naming her Miley with a Y? Yeah. That or, uh... ladies and gentlemen, now coming to the stage, Miley. <laughs> here's, uh, here's a picture of her, by the way, before we continue. Uh, as the hair, as they were about to leave, yeah, nice, uh, nice do flock of seagulls. Uh, what, what is, what is best dad? What does the best dad ever shirt say about you, sir? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say you can't back that claim Pretty up. Cocky, huh? Yeah, you can't back up that claim. Pretty full of yourself. As, uh, as they were about to leave, Macintosh's teen daughter was resolute; she would not change out of her Daisy Dukes. At first, the kids had her, had their heads buried in their phones. Macintosh said and didn't notice his revealing attire. Quote. Why are you dressed like that? His daughter eventually asked when they were nearly at the restaurant. Oh, well, I don't care, unquote. Dinner came and went without Macintosh's daughter breaking a sweat, so he took things to the next level. Quote, let's go miniature golfing, unquote, he said. The daughter refused to show her embarrassment. Then they went to a local ice cream shop, and she finally gave in. Quote, as I pulled into a stall, my daughter said, uh, no, we are not going in, unquote. I said, quote, let's go through the drive-up, unquote. Macintosh, his wife, and their son went inside, but their daughter stayed in the car. Now, see, you're not teaching her anything if she stays in the car. You make her ass walk in with you. Uh, it would seem like that was the point, no? There was no, dad, I get it, he said, but no matter if social media gets the story mixed up and twisted, my daughter will always know that her dad loves her and cares about her enough to make a fool out of himself. Gosh, you know, I mean, hey, I guess if he gets his point across in that, I mean, you know, no, no one got hurt in the uh, in that in him making his point, I should say, except my eyes, except your eyes. That's something we'll never be able to unsee. So that's that's fun. <laughs> but how did the news find out about this? Uh, it I was picked up know. via the blog post. Probably. That's that's what I'm guessing. Gosh. 
I, I just I'm, I'm amused to find you know hear about these stories of parenting, you know hashtag real parenting. You know it. Um, and it's like, how did this become news in the first place? I, I don't know. I'm always curious about that anyway, because there's so many things that happen in this world. So what actually is decided to be news, or how that even gets picked up, is is interesting to me. But you know, this is a news story. That's okay. All right. Yeah, speaking of uh, deciding what's news, I don't know how in the world anybody decided this program was news, but that's all the news we have for this week. So episode two is behind us. Uh, We will return again next week with probably another big question that will drive us down the path of four or five other questions. But uh, yeah, that's That's how it goes. That's uh, exactly. That's the way this program works. So until we speak again... You can email us, dcmapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Did That Make Error. And until next week, he's Ed Barnes. I'm Brian Wilmer, and uh, enjoy your big bag of carpet.